Hello there, this is Dr. Casey Bradley, and you're listening to the Real P3 Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the real pork producers around the world. I hope you enjoy. In case you didn't remember, the Real P3 stands for Producers, Problems, and Pigs. Well, the number one problem facing producers in the USA is a labor shortage and constant turnover. I hear this every week from the producers I talk to. Every conference that I attend, it's the same problem as discussed. Our labor shortage. We just do not have enough people, let alone trained people. Well, how I became a pig farmer, I'm not sure I ever heard this response. I just thought he was hot. And this is our guest speaker coming on, Catherine Bell. And Brandon's actually also going to be on as well. They are contract growers in Iowa, and they focus on the finisher side. But Catherine doesn't have that traditional farm girl background either. She came from the Dominican Republic to New York City to Iowa, and now is part of our industry. So she's going to give us some insights from both her perspective and Brandon's of how to bring in people from an urban environment that really don't have agriculture backgrounds, but also the struggles Catherine's faced fitting into our industry and having a support network as a wife, as a mother, as a woman, and also as a Hispanic or non-traditional American farmer. So stay tuned. Well, hello there, Catherine. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Casey. Yes. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself and your operation in Iowa? My name is Catherine Marcano Bell. We are a contract grower farm family out of southeastern Iowa in Washington County. And we have currently five barns, hog barns, they're finishers. We use it with a, an integrator. So we, like I said, we're contract. And we have approximately 12,000 right now uh, hogs on site. That's a lot of bacon. It's a lot of bacons. I tell my kids that we're raising bacon bits. <laughs> I love it. Well, you have a unique story of coming into the swine industry. Could you kind of fill us in and what brought you into the swine industry? More like who brought me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I was, um, you know, I was attending college in, in Iowa and I met my husband and he ended up being a farmer. <laughs> So my plans were to finish college, maybe get my master's here in Iowa and move out, go find myself and whatever. And then he proposed. So I couldn't say no. <laughs> was it love at first sight? With my husband? Yeah. I just thought he was hot. <laughs> what about the pigs? You know I mean? But wouldn't you know, the same thing I thought. <laughs> so what was it like, you know, growing up? in urban life and being transplanted in Iowa on a pig farm, what have you kind of learned or what have you struggled with from those two type of environments? Yes. So I'm originally from Dominican Republic, Republica Dominicana, and I was born and raised there for the most part. I will say I came to the States when I was 11. So that would have been 96 didn't stay here permanently until I was 13. 
at 18, I decided that I want to go away and find myself. New York City, I should say, specific. Yes. I just decided to go to college, go somewhere far away where I can just be my own boss. <laughs> and I um, ended up in Iowa. Well, that is awesome. And I bring that up because I think the success and the future of the swine industry will rely on us bringing people into our industry that do not have an agriculture background. And so I find your story very unique. Kind of explain some of your roles, I guess, on the farm. What's your day day like being a contract grower for those that don't know, the, you know, on the finisher side of how that looks for you? Yeah. So we get pigs approximately when they are around 35, 40 pounds. And then we fatten them up and we have morning chores. So um, we try, my husband and I would try to divide chores like you do this one, I'll do the other one. Or if we have to do any treatment or any work maintenance or whatever, we will work it together, that site. And so that's, we spend a lot of time together, actually. <laughs> so usually working or doing something. If it's not inside the barn, it is outside the barn. So we will usually take one side and I will take the other side if you're uh, walking together, checking on, on pig's well-being, making sure that fit lines are working properly, that everyone has water, that there's not something plugging or anything. So that's part of the things that we have to do in the morning. Also. Checking just the general well-being, a lot can happen in a day with weather fluctuation. So you you have to come in with a, just listen here. Everything is in the sound. You will get all the clues. I love it. And I've taught a lot of people that way. You have to uh, listen, feel, smell sometimes, taste, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, you can learn a lot besides just looking, right? Um, it's a, yeah. it's a multi-century job. So, Yes. I think it was a couple of days ago, walking to the barn and, you know, we can hear, I can hear this noise and it was like a noise that had echo against a metal. And, you know, the feet, the automatic feet was supposed to call, be coming on like in 15 minutes, but there was this banging that wasn't supposed to be there. Well, come to find out, it was an empty feeder that had no feed inside because everything was clogged. And so that's why the, the pigs were kicking it, making that noise. So took care of that right away. So it's important to listen. Yeah, very good points. I got to ask you a question because I think your husband's sitting next to you. Who's the better caretaker at finding the sick pigs? Well, let me have him answer that. What would you say? I'd say we're both pretty good at it. I would say probably when they're smaller, Catherine is. And generally, I think what we found over the years is that in smaller pigs, females actually tend to be a little better at, at finding the sick pigs. I think it's that kind of more of a motherly instinct. And I've been doing this a long time. So I can personally, when Catherine's with me, I actually do a better job at farm because I can get complacent on some of the stuff that I've seen, you know, every day for 25 years. <laughs> so we actually, we're both pretty good at it, but I think in the younger pigs, she's actually probably a little better than me. I love hearing that. So I love I, the I'm fact that. Fat hogs do, but that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't like messing with the fat <laughs> hogs either. That's my least favorite job is putting them on the truck. So now I, 
is curious. That's a good comment. Do you think she helps you because she sees things differently? Because like you said, we get complacent because we've done it for 35 years. Yeah, I definitely think as far as when Catherine's with me, I do notice the small stuff better because I kind of, when I started really working with her when she became full-time on the farm, we were getting ready to have ours, right after we had our second baby. You know, I trained her how I was trained, you know, 20 years ago, you know, especially the small details, you know, the de- small details are what make a good turn finding the sick pigs. And I think there's times I get in a hurry. I did it for 20 years. And so I think when she's with me, she still remembers some of those initial things, you know, the small things that there are times I can get complacent with. So when she's with me, she almost kind of forces me to go back like how I was when I was first beginning and really focus on the small details. I tend to get obsessed on, little, on certain little details and things, and I just cannot let it go. So I'm annoying that way. I just feel very natural around them. I've been exposed to pigs growing up and back in the Dominican Republic. You know, in big cities also, sometimes you deal with other kind of pigs. So, <laughs> but... Well, but, we can make that um, joke because you know my husband's a police officer and lots of people call him a pig on a regular oh, basis. Well, let, me clar- <laughs> let me clarify. Not refer- definitely not referring to law enforcement. I mean, just... Uh, no, I know. I was just trying to make a joke. <laughs> yeah, the, so it's funny because that's what he expected probably and your family, but I have more questions about GMOs. Swear to God, that was, I mean, I was just, that's what I wanted to know. Pigs didn't bother me. I, I walked into a barn and it was impressive, just impressive. The sheer number and the technology and how everything was, it was not the backyard pigs in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> so, but it, it's, it's funny because, you know, people come here to visit and come around the farm and I mean, we have very good smell control, but it still bothers a lot of people. And I've seen some people throw up. Well, I could say I probably have thrown up in my career too, because somebody's forgotten a dead bucket that sat outside in the summer for a couple of weeks. But <laughs> or, or yeah. 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 So <laughs> you can smell what needs to be removed from a pen. <laughs> yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit. In our initial conversation, you made a comment that you don't feel like you belong and you've had a hard time connecting in the industry. Kind of talk us through that and and where that comes from. Well, I will say in general, there's just a lot of groups and little groups and big groups. And I mean, other than social media, which is what I use to try and connect and learn and keep up to date besides the radio, of, of course, but I haven't really gotten into any specific group or with any specific organizations. I've done continuing training and try to network with people, but at the end of the day, I'm not as involved with doing things in the industry as my husband is, and I think that it's just very easy to dismiss the, the wife or my role. So. You know, it's okay. <laughs> so you think it's... Uh, I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay. Just learn to live with it. And But other than that, no. I mean, I love going to conferences and learning and uh, continue taking educations and just learning more about everything. So, 
so what what can we do to fix this problem? Because you speak to my heart and I've been an advocate for females in agriculture and uh, I have gone through the school of hard knocks. I may have a PhD as well, but grew up in the swine industry, worked on hog farms all my life. What can we do to fix this problem? Because I hear it all, you know, from women in agriculture and then um, you being a Spanish speaking bilingual person. I hear it a lot from our Spanish-speaking employees that immigrate here as well to work in our industry, that they feel like they don't belong. We don't have the right resources for them from a farm level to an industry level. And I kind of wanted to get your perspective because this is applicable across the world. Europe faces the same challenges. They have immigrants that come in and work in the industries in the Netherlands and Denmark and stuff as well. So what do you think we need to do to get more women appreciate it on that side? And then um, when we look at our non-natives, English speaking employees and, and things like that to build a better community and support system. I think that we need to just listen, have an open mind. A lot of progress has made for women in agriculture a lot more in the last gosh, seven years. I noticed that there's been a push for, you might not have realized it, but your mom was riding a tractor when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was working on the farm when she was pregnant. She didn't get any recognition. So yeah, the salesman will, you know, it's it's an old time joke that the salesman will come and they will make eye contact with the husband and acknowledge the husband and not really the wife. To a certain degree, that still does happen a lot. The old tradition, things are changing, but we still do have some issues with, you know, getting the same respect or attention from a female versus male in the traditional family farm operation. So we want to take this break to thank our sponsors, the Sunswine Group, Nutriswine, Swine Nutrition Management, and Pig Progress. But we also wanted to remind you of our new Facebook group, the Global Swine Professionals. We're going to be doing something fun, some live interviews, some Q&A, and we just want to hear from our audience. So that's a great place for you to take the time, leave us a comment, tell us what you want to hear, or volunteer to be on our show, because we're always looking for those awesome pork producers around the world. Well, that's all I had, so let's get back to that episode now. What kind of programs would you like to see done by our industry. I mean, you said listen is a key thing, but what else could we do? Do we need more networking events for women working on in agriculture? I'll tell you what. So there's women in agriculture. There is females heading farms, being managers in farms, doing a lot of jobs from the packing line to the meat packing line to everything, to raising pigs. And a lot of these networking events or opportunities are in English, which obviously is what we all speak here, or try to anyways, but you just don't see a lot of diversity, even though Hispanics and other ethnicities are probably the majority of the farm workers. I love it. And I would also add kind of something I've tried to change in my roles is that when we have networking events, it's usually golfing or shooting or fishing. And uh, that's not something I enjoy. So I'm working on changing some of that. But So, yeah, so I, I mean, my handicap score sucks. 
And but I mean, I have my own golf clubs. I'm like, you know, I well, you do better than me, Catherine. If less it's putt putt golf, I can't try. So <laughs> don't even try. So you know, and fishing, I I love fishing. So I mean, not professionally, and we don't do it very often. But it's just stuff that it would be a great way to also connect with others maybe if given the opportunity but see what i'm saying is that you have in the west coast california a lot of there's groups there's organized groups for minorities mm-hmm. um, not just females but ethnic minorities farm workers um and you know we don't have that in the midwest where i am mm-hmm. we have a lot of labor provided by us by minorities ethnic minorities but there is just not an organization, a group I can turn to connect. You always hear the stories from everybody else's perspective or ideal perspective, not really what's really going on within the community or labor issues or issues of access to resources. So are you willing to help me change that, Catherine? Will you help us lead the charge and fix that? Heck, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Anything that can be done to make things more accessible, because how can you have a workforce, whether they're here on work visas or whatever, if you're not training them appropriately in a language that they can understand? And the problem is we get too technical. We assume everybody has the same education level. We assume that everybody's the same or that without asking, finding out for ourselves. So that has to change. It cannot be a one bill fits all type deal. I love it. Your husband's sitting there a little bit. So we have someone that didn't come from agriculture. What did he do different to train you versus somebody that maybe grew up on a farm that's helped him? He listened to me. That's how he trained me. (laughs) (laughs) No, everybody learns differently. Mm -hmm. And it was just a matter of getting in there, start with biosecurity, start with and demonstrate to me as I go, because that's how I learn. I like to read all the facts. I will research everything on a topic, but I also want someone to demonstrate to me how to do it. And I will observe you like a hawk and learn that way. I think that's important. Learning on the job. Opportunities to to learn about the subject, to know the basic rules, so you don't get in trouble. Farm safety, biosecurity, safety nets, equipment safety, but also the opportunity to be out there, out there in the field and and learn, see how it's done. So Put do the you practice? Yeah. So you feel, and and I've heard this from other people that written SOPs and videos are they not effective to train you? So you need more hands-on well i will say that for this type of job if we're talking about something that you have to do with your hand that you actually you're not behind a desk all the time or hardly if any you cannot just rely on presentations and videos you need to see an actual person doing it kind of like have a mentor mentor of some type or learn on the job, whether it's a new job, you can only be sure and confident after you have done it yourself, after you're doing it and not fear whether you're doing it wrong or not, because somebody's going to be there to coach you. 
I get it. I taught students and every time I could get the students on farm, you know, I would recruit new employees at the university. And my last year, they made me do it by video. And it's a disservice that we don't have those mentors and more patience in teaching people how the skills. It's not like I I woke up or was born with the ability to walk in a pig barn and, and pick out the sick pigs. It's And your husband probably could say the same thing. I don't know if you had the same type of dad that I did, but I sure learned the hard way a lot of times. So <laughs> We actually had feeder cattle growing up. So it wasn't until I moved back to Kansas City from back from Kansas City when I was 26 that we put up our first pig shed because that was my only opportunity to be back farming because we didn't have enough ground. So I had no experience with pigs when I started. Yes, he was the maverick. (laughs) (laughs) Some really great insights that you provided our audience. I think it's really awesome. But before we go, I always give my guests the opportunity to turn the table and ask me a question. Do you have any questions you want to ask? One goal that you have, short-term goal to make a difference. What are your short-term goals? How do you see it? How do you see it in your future? So some of my short-term goals is basically what I'm doing with you today, trying to meet as many different people in our industry to learn about the problems, right? And then let's create a plan. But I'm also trying to build a community and a support group. So Uh, Through my coffee and careers program, I'm mentoring students. So we're trying to find ways to, with that, I hope to find ways to bring in new people like yourself into our industry that don't have an agriculture background. So that's my short-term goals. Other short-term goals is listening to people, right? Putting different people in the room and coming up with solutions that really work. So long-term goals will be the solutions, but short-term goals is putting different people in the room, talking to different people, understanding our problem. And our number one problem, at least in the U.S., which may be different than around the world, is our labor issue. And so connecting with you has been a great opportunity to figure out how we're going to do a better job at that and make us all feel part of the industry. Because, it, you know, I grew, grew up in agriculture. It's feeding the world. It's a passion I have. And the biggest thing I've heard is how can I share that passion and that love to motivate other people? And those are some of my short-term goals. That's very inspiring, too. We share a lot in common. Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you for your time today. Um, we'll be in touch for sure because we got a challenge, right? So initiative. And I appreciate your time and have a blessed day and keep up the fight, the good fight. Yes, you too, guys. A lot of stuff going on in the pork industry. <laughs> yep. Take care now. Bye-bye. Well, I don't know about you, but I fell in love with Catherine and her husband, Brandon, from the beginning. They are great people. They feed the world. But we really do have a problem. I don't think the U.S. is the only problem. We can go around the world. And in our industry, we're working with different languages every day. We're working with people with different backgrounds. We look at the demographic shift in agriculture, and the statistics show me that more women are coming in the industry. We need to fix this problem. We need to make everybody feel like they belong. We need to make them feel like family and that we want to serve them. We need to stop thinking we're in the pork industry and start thinking we're in the people industry. If we want to solve this problem, we need to look really hard at ourselves and our management. How many times do we talk about animal welfare, animal performance, but yet we never consider human welfare? human performance, and work-life balance. Agriculture's hard. 
It's a 365-day-a-year job. I get that. But we can do better. We can be creative. We can become an industry that people want to join. We can become employers that everybody's fighting to get in the doors. If we don't, we will not survive. We will raise our production costs so high that we can't compete in the global landscape. We need to be open-minded. I know what it's like to be in a room and not understand anyone talking, being the only English-speaking one in the room, and everything's in Greek, literally. It wasn't a fun experience, but it was very humbling. So when we think about these employees we have from different backgrounds, we have to think about what it feels like to be them. Put your feet in their boots for a day. It's not easy. They're very intelligent, wonderful people. How can we make them successful in our systems? And that's our challenge, right? I can give you all the great advice. I can introduce you to lovely people like Catherine. But the question is, the USA swine industry specifically, are you ready to step up and fix it? Let's stop talking about it and let's fix it. And just in case if my opinion and my passion's not enough to get you riled up and excited about fixing this problem, our next speaker from Summit Smart Farms is going to give you the economics of why you need to fix it. So stay tuned. Before we go, we want to thank our sponsors again. Swine Nutrition Management, NutriSign, Pig Progress, and the Sun Swine Group. Don't forget to join our Facebook, the Global Swine Professionals. And as always, if you get a chance, hug a pig for me today. 